Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at penfed.org slash savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Lisa likes the window seat at night. The lights below that tell her she's nearly home. Then there's the lights she can't see. The runway lights we power to bring her plane safely into land. And because at Energia, we also power all of Ireland's streetlights... Lisa's taxi home is that bit safer too. And no prizes for guessing who powers her house. Welcome home, Lisa. Energia. The power behind your power. You're listening to Let's Talk Jets Radio. everybody and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Jets Radio. This is your host Tyson Roush and I want to welcome all our new listeners, all our new followers. It is an exciting time in Jets Nation and as you know we have two very special guests on tonight with New York Jets safety Calvin Pryor along with Fireman Ed. So without further ado let me introduce my co-host Joe from Long Beach. Joe what's up man? Hey what's going on Tyson man? I'm, I'm excited. Can't wait to talk to Calvin tonight. Can't wait to talk to Fireman Ed man. This is going to be a great show. Yeah, and let's let's bring him on now. Our first guest is the New York Jets 2014 first-round draft pick, our starting safety. It's Calvin Pryor. Calvin, it's Joe and Tyson. How you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. How are you guys doing today? We're doing great, man, and we definitely want to thank you for your time tonight. You know, as you know, the Jets are making headlines everywhere with free agency and, you know, just a coaching change, a general manager change. You know, as a young player, do you keep track of all these headlines as they, as they go on through the offseason? Of course I do. I have to, you know. Uh, I have to know what's going on, especially when it's involved Jets football, and I'm a part of that. Uh, so I think it's an exciting time right now. Uh, everybody's got high hopes right now. It's a lot of big uh, big moves that have been made, and I think it's heading in the right direction. Yeah, and, you, and your big, big moves, you're not kidding, when you mentioned, like, Darrell Revis, Antonio Camardi, Marcus Gilchrist. As a guy in the, in the secondary are you looking forward to playing with these guys? Have you maybe talked to them yet? 
I haven't talked with him yet, but uh, most definitely I'm excited to be playing with those guys. I think that would be an understatement. Uh, uh, I'm expecting great things, you know, but as far as getting the chemistry down and building a relationship with those guys, you know, I look forward to it. Yes, hello, Calvin. My name is Joe. Uh, I want to welcome you to the show as well. I'm wondering, have you met with Todd Bowles and Casey Rogers yet? And if you have, uh, what was that interaction kind of like? Uh, I haven't met with those guys yet. Uh, hopefully I'm going to uh, fly up sometime soon, go meet with the coaching staff, you know. But those guys, have they had a busy time, you know, everybody. But I have talked to my position coach. That's one coach I have talked to. But I haven't talked with Deacon Court making head coach. Okay. That's very interesting. I'm also wondering, where do you feel like you fit the best in Bowles' defense to maximize your talent and skill set? Um, I can't say that uh, as of right now because I haven't – I don't know the – his system, and I haven't, you know, picked up a playbook, so I can't speak on that right now. But hopefully, you know, he brings out the best in me. Hopefully he puts me in great positions in order for me to make plays and just help out the defense. Calvin, as you as you look back at your first year in the NFL, you know, there's a, a lot of change with Rex and things like that. What are some of the things you, need, you think you need to work on this offseason? Is there like anything you've been training on, like in terms of like, util, you know, like uh, agility exercises or strength exercises or anything like that? Of course, I've just been working on uh, – I just started back training uh, a couple of weeks in. i uh, just been working on a lot of speed, a lot of flexibility, uh, getting my hips right. Because uh, I figured that's something you're going to definitely need playing against the best of the best in the league. Uh, so that's uh, just some areas I'm trying to get better at. and just try to get more mentally uh, down, uh, just learn the playbook and everything once it's handed to me. So uh, that's one one of the few things I'm trying to get uh, get a uh, screen to. Yes, Calvin, with you just coming into the league and everything kind of being new and the transition being coming from college to the NFL, can you explain to me what your transition was like from college to the NFL? Um, it's it's football, you know. Uh, just you're playing against the best of the best every week. That's that's the main difference. Uh, you're not gonna in college. You're not gonna face Gronkowski then next. Next week, facing that with Marcelli has been in and guys like that. So it's kind of tough. It's kind of tough in the league. But uh, you're in there for a reason. You're playing against the best of the best. You're one of the best. So uh, it's about com- being competitive and things like that. Yeah, like anything. Okay, Joe, good. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like you, like you said, you know, you're definitely competing with different guys. I'm wondering, what's the most valuable thing that you might have learned in your rookie year? Uh, you just have to uh, be confident uh, in yourself and just have to believe that you can get the job done and um, beat the man across from you. You know, uh, that's one of the things I've learned. Just It's just a mental game. You know, a lot of guys, you know, they see the names and they just go by the names. So they put them above everybody. You know, just if he bleeds, then, you know, he bleeds the same way I bleed. That's how I have to look at it. And that's a great perspective to take on the game. Is there anything that really surprised you in your rookie year, like the speed of the game, the physicalness, or like the, the mental approach to it? Did anything catch you by surprise? Uh, the mental approach, definitely, because you have to be mentally ready to face the best of the best each week. And I'm talking about the quarterbacks like the Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, the <laughs> Andrew Lux, and the Peyton Manners, and those guys right there. Uh, so you have to be mentally locked in because – they're mentally locked in. They're mentally locked in each week, so you have to try to elevate your game to that particular perspective right there. So, 
as a young player in the NFL, especially in the New York market, were there any veteran players that kind of took you under their wing and said, you know, let me help you out here, let me kind of you know help you with maybe like film study or like you know just training? Of course, but uh, we had a lot of young guys on our team. We had a lot of young guys on our team, so. But definitely, uh, LeRon Landry definitely took me on this wing and just showed me the ropes of how being a professional and just the little things that what matters most, uh, and just how to play in the league a long time. Yes, Calvin. And also, I, I know that you may not just study guys with guys on your team as well. You may study other players and kind of learn different things from their game and try to take it apart of it and make it a part of your game? Or is there any current player in the league that you've learned a lot from just watching them play the game? Yes, Cam Chancellor. Uh, Cam Chancellor and uh, Ryan Clark, those guys have been big mentors to me ever since they heard about me coming out of college football. And then they, we always text and just different things like that. They just tell me how to prepare myself and the things I have to learn uh, to be successful in this league. So and uh, just, just the energy you have to bring and you have to be locked in, just ready to go each week, and just and speaking of those two guys, those guys bring it each week. So that's what I'm trying to get to. Okay, what aspects of their game have you implemented into your game to kind of make it better? Uh, I'm not, I'm not trying to implement anything from anybody. I'm my own person. Uh, I'm going to do my own thing. I believe I'm one of the best. That's what I'm trying to get to. But they also give me advice, you know, uh, on how to be successful in this league and just preparing yourself the right way and making sure you train the right way and eat the right way. Those things, they don't – we haven't did any workouts or I haven't watched any of the film or anything like that. I do, but I have seen when they have played in games on Sundays. We're talking to Calvin Pryor from the starting safety for the New York Jets, and once again we thank him for his time tonight. Calvin, what is what is it like playing – behind that front seven with, you know, Muhammad Wilkerson, Sheldon Richardson, Damon Harrison. It's got to be exciting. It's got to be fun to watch too, right? Oh, most definitely, man. Those guys, man, it starts up front, and they make sure it starts up front. Man, They make my job a lot easier. Yeah, and do you see, like, now, based on everything we've read with Todd Bowles, he seems to be, you know, a very aggressive guy with blitz packages. Have you had to change your mindset with the physical nature of the NFL, with all the new penalty infractions, with, you know, hits to the head, the, the low cuts, things like that? Have you had to change your approach in terms of tackling and hitting? Uh, Definitely, yeah, because in the league, uh, you definitely can get a flag if they just feel like you hit the guy in the wrong place. So, uh and make sure you have the right form and just make sure you tackle when you wrap up. Okay, Calvin. It's, it's, just, it's playing football. It's nothing, it's nothing different. It's just going out there and playing football, just trying to play football the right way. Yes, Calvin. Also, in the league, we, we see these offenses. They're really coming of age. Everybody's throwing the ball crazy, and things are have been changed so that the defense has to play a certain way. I'm wondering, what is the hardest wide receiver to cover in the NFL, in your opinion, and why? Um, a fast, shifty slot guy like Antonio Brown and T.Y. Hilton and those guys of nature, they're very hard to cover. Very, very hard to cover. Yes, they're extremely hard. Antonio Brown is a phenomenal receiver. I'm wondering also your take on tight ends. Who's the hardest tight end to cover? It would definitely have to be... um, I would say either Antonio Gates, uh, 
or Gronk. One of those two guys. I haven't faced Jimmy Graham yet, or maybe so I, I wonder. Well, Jimmy Jimmy Graham is definitely he's definitely a, a big 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 challenge for any I guess safety at this point. Calvin, what is what has it been like playing in the New York market? I mean, it's it's there's a lot of hype here, and the fans you know are good and bad, and there's crowd noise. Sometimes it's not crowd noise when it's negative. What has it been like just coming from college, not only to the NFL but to the New York market? I love New York and I love everything about it. Uh, it's just all about how you handle yourself. You know, uh, if you do things right, well, you can become the biggest star. And you're in the biggest market to make it happen. So I just look at the upside of things and the positive side of things and the the big things and the outcomes uh, that you can have from it. There also be some downsides as well, which I, you know, I really don't want to speak on that. Yeah, no, yeah, no doubt about that. We respect that. Um, the other question I have for you is just in terms of your off season, how much time do you spend in terms of like film study and preparation? Do you do you start off slowly and start amping up when you get ready for like a mini camp, or do you do it throughout? Yeah, that's something I uh, do once I'm getting ready to get back into the football state of mind. Where I'm going to be having meetings and those different things, but. Mainly it's just training, trying to get my body right, and uh, getting ready for the season. Awesome. Uh, Calvin, first of all, we want to thank you very much um, for joining us tonight. We definitely appreciate it. There's a message you have for all the Jet fans out there. Everybody was excited to hear from you. We, we all look forward to seeing you on the field this year, especially in Todd Bowles' defense where you could be aggressive. Do you have a message for the Jet fans out there? Oh, uh, yeah, man. Uh, happy St. Patrick's Day, uh, first and foremost. Uh and I hope it's going to be an exciting year, man. Uh, we have a new GM, new head coach, and we have some big key pieces coming in. So I look forward to the season. Hopefully it's going to be a great season. And um, I look forward to your support and your love, and I can't wait for the season to get started. Calvin, thank you again for for calling in tonight. Best of luck, best of health this season, and we look forward to seeing you making some plays in MetLife. Thank you, man. I enjoyed talking to you guys tonight. Thank you, Calvin. All right. All right, Joe, that was, that was Calvin Pryor, and we, we definitely appreciate him calling in tonight, giving us some uh, insight on his training regimen and, and things like that. You know, it, it's interesting because he's in a unique situation where he's going from, you know, Rex Ryan, who was in a very you know aggressive defense with, you know, very schemes, to Todd Bowles, who is ultra-aggressive. So he could be put in position, especially with Marcus Gilchrist next to him, it makes some huge plays. Yes, absolutely. I'm definitely looking to see his transition to this defense, uh, See what he brings us, see what he provides. He's definitely going to get a lot of opportunities to blitz, uh, a lot of different things he's going to be doing scheme-wise as far as in coverage as well. So I'm looking to see him have a big breakout year for us. Yeah, no, me too. And it's just like, you know, having a, a safety next to him that could, you know, has some range, has some mobility. And, you know, and if they go three safeties, say if you go Antonio Allen, Gilchrist, and Calvin Pryor, there's a lot of different ways you can use him. So I, I think it's a positive. I'm actually looking forward to it to see how we adjust after a full NFL offseason without all the chaos, without a head coach throwing all kinds of crazy praise on him. You know, it's kind of you know, like for, for everything good Rex was good about, I think he put some unnecessary pressure on Calvin Pryor as well, where it was like, you know, he's a heat-seeking missile, he's this, he's that, where he almost had to live up to it. Now it's like he's had an offseason to calm down, train, just relax. I think it's going to benefit him a lot. Yes, absolutely. I'm I'm definitely looking, like I said, to see what he comes back with. Uh, he's going to have, you know, a clean offseason, come in, learn the scheme, learn what he needs to do, really get acclimated with uh, Casey Rogers and Todd Bowles, and they're going to they're gonna coach him up and put him in positions to win. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he gives us. 
Yeah, no doubt. And we're going to be having uh, Fireman Ed, Ed Anzalone joining us shortly. Um, obviously, it's big news right now with BringBackEd.com. Um, that whole petition started with actually with Paul Bruzis and uh, Jason from FireIdic.com tweeting about it. A petition was started, and away we went. And here we are where they have close to 3,000 signatures, and Fireman Ed's getting a lot, of, a lot of requests to come back to MetLife and lead a chant or two. So we'll be having him joining us shortly. But, Joe, before we get into him, there's a, a couple things happened over the, you know, the past couple days. And one of it was signing Willie Colon, bringing Willie Colon back. Um, I found that interesting as you know, the Jets are trying to rebuild their offensive line. They already signed Carpenter. Were you surprised by that move at all? I was extremely surprised. Um, but I don't actually mind the signing as long as he's a depth guy. Um, I, I think there's better options out there uh, for our offensive line to improve. Uh, Willie Cologne has had a history of, of being a penalty machine, having bad technique, but he's still a veteran guy that can come in just in case a guy gets injured. So signing him for the veteran minimum, uh, it works for the team. Uh, Depth-wise, and also works for the team as far as cap space. But I, I definitely don't want him to be a starter. Yeah, I, I, th- I thought the same thing. I thought it was like, all right, veteran minimum, competition, depth, I agree with that. I mean, I was kind of a bit surprised myself, um, but it is what it is, and hopefully they either draft somebody or they you know, try to sign somebody else. I mean, I understand we still have young guys there with Obushi and Brian Winters and all that, but I think, you know, at some point we've got to get a significant upgrade to build up this offensive line to actually run the ball behind it. The other guy we mentioned um, with Calvin is, is Gilchrist, who a nice signing for the Jets, and when he was first signed, you read all these posts from – San Diego fans where he can't tackle, he can't cover, he's versatile, but he's not good at anything. And then you're like, oh, no, what do we do? Is this McCagney's first mistake? And then, you know, a a gentleman named Connor Hughes, who does an excellent job covering Jets on on Twitter, broke down film and and game tape, and and as did Ron Pickett. And, Joe, you know what? I think it could be a very good signing because his versatility could play in Todd Bowles' favor where he could be a tremendous asset, you know, in the slot. You know, he could do a, a variety of things. So what's your take on Gilchrist? That was exactly my take. I think he's a versatile guy that can do that can do a lot of different things in this defense. Um, I watched the tape on him as well. I've seen a bunch of San Diego games, and he's a guy that can make plays. Um, so I, I'm looking forward to see, you know, how Bowles implements him into the scheme and how he moves him around on the defense, as you spoke about in the slot, how he gets him over on top of tight ends as well, because uh, that's something I think he'll be doing. We'll, we'll see what he gives us, but I think he's a versatile guy that can come in, make plays, and I think it was a very good quality signing. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's, it's, you know, at some point you've got to say, okay, Todd Bowles and Mike McCagney are looking at these players for fits in their defense, so while some of us, some of us may question it, you've got to say, these guys know what they're looking for, so you've got to kind of trust them, and that leads me to Buster Screen, another guy where everybody, you know, some people are like, wow, they overpaid for a slot corner, what are they doing? And then again, I'll, I'll mention him again, Connor Hughes did a phenomenal job of breaking down game tape on him. He's, he's a quality corner. He, he, he serves a good role. He's physical. And yes, the Jets paid a lot for him. But, Joe, in this day and age of the NFL, you need three good corners, four good corners. You, need, you have to be flexible and versatile with your defense. And I think it's, it's a good fit as well. Yeah, I thought it was an excellent fit as well. Uh, again, I watched the tape on him. He was with the Browns as well. My thing is that tape don't lie. The guy plays solidly. Um, he was a versatile guy, and, and he did what he needed to do. You know, so especially with our cornerback situation being what it is, D. Milner, we don't know if he's going to be all the way healthy and ready. McDougal, we don't know if he's going to be healthy. We have to spend money on quality corners to get in here, especially in this passing league. So I thought that was another quality signing and another good move by McCagney and Bowles. 
I agree. And the thing is, too, is what we kind of forget is, okay, you bring in Cromartie, you bring in Revis, you bring in Screen. It's like you have these guys now as mentors for all these young players, Marcus Williams, McDougal, Milner. I mean, they're going to teach them work ethic, film study. I mean, it, it's a trickle down that it's going to create a culture of productivity and a culture of success. So it's like, okay, you paid, but you're bringing talent, which is good. You're going to have depth, which is excellent in a passing league. So I think that there's a significant trickle down, which is a positive. Um, the, the next thing I want to touch on, and there's, you know, me and the media, man, when they start firing out negative articles, I got to kind of combat them. So before we bring Firemanette on, I might as well combat a couple of these things. And the first one today is our good friend, uh, Rich Samini, decided to comment on how David Harris was overpaid. And here's my take on this, Joe. David Harris, the Jets probably paid more than they're supposed to for him, but they want the guy to keep here because he's a veteran leader. He's a valued leader. He can help implement the new defense. And I think a part of them wanted to keep him from Buffalo. But that's you know, I'm sure Rex wanted him, and they kind of wanted to keep him here. So I understand that. But the thing is, Joe, if the Jets didn't resign him and he went to Buffalo, can you imagine the rip job they would have done on Mike McCagnan? They would have torn him to shreds. The fans would have been in a fury. So it's so funny how when you resign him, you say, okay, it makes sense. I can see why. Then there's always an article like, oh, they overpaid. They made a huge mistake. Isn't it comical at this point? I, I think it's hilarious, and that's why I don't pay attention to a lot of articles that are written uh, by Rich or Manish. Um, that signing was a, another quality signing. Listen, David Harris had suitors. It's not like it was just Buffalo. There were all, there also other teams in the mix as well. But, yes, Buffalo was one of his top suitors. Uh, he's a guy that he's still a quality linebacker in this league. He's not bad, especially with the way that the linebacker uh, market unfolded in the uh, free agency market. So, you know, we we got another guy, got our guy back in, paid what we had to pay to get him in. We, you know, it, it was a good quality signing, a guy that's still going to be able to lead our defense, still mentor the younger guys we have coming in as well, because we might draft a linebacker in later rounds. Who knows? Um, so it, it was a quality signing, and I don't pay attention to the media because they're just always looking to bash the Jets. No, that's true, and a good portion of them are, and that's something that we'll discuss later on with uh, Fireman Ed. But the other, the other thing is, too, is, you know, there's this notion that, Ryan Fitzpatrick is like the starter. Like, this is Fitzpatrick's job to lose. And, and that, to me, I think is laughable. There's a couple of reasons why. I, I understand there's an immediate association with Gailey and Fitzpatrick and the fit. He knows the offense and things like that. For me, Joe, this is an open competition. It should be an open competition. And I think that Geno Smith has an excellent chance to resurrect his career. Not that it's completely dying right now, but I think it's a chance to flourish in his offense. And if you read anything about Chan Gailey, he adapts his system to his quarterback. He adapts everything to his players. So for me, I'm going to give Geno Smith the benefit of the doubt. He's younger. He's a great athlete. He's shown some flashes. I'm not writing him off, and I think he's got a very good chance to win this starting job. Yeah, I mean, he absolutely does. My thing is is that who said that we're done – in the quarterback market, who says that we, we're not going to make a trade and possibly get different guys in here? So who says that the search for a quarterback is even over? No one did. Um, that's another media spin. He's going to come in here, Fitz is going to come in here and compete with Geno the same way Geno's going to be competing with whoever else comes in here as well. And we're going to see, you know, let the best man win. But it's not just Fitz's job to lose. Uh, he's got to make the throws. He's got to come in and do what he needs to do and win the job. The same thing will be saying to Geno as well. So whoever comes out of that is going to be our starter. But don't let the media spin just, you know, spin around and get ahead of people. We're, we might still be looking at getting a different quarterback in here as well. 
Yeah, no doubt. And I, I just you read these comments, and people are just so many people are so down on Gino, and, and I understand. But he, he's entering his third year in the NFL. It's not like he's been here six years. And the problem is, we have the ghost of Sanchez sitting there, and you have the ghost of Gino's rookie season sitting there, and we're, all of a sudden we're writing people off. It's like writing off D. Milner. Why? Writing off Dexter McDougal. Why? There's no reason to be doing this. It's about competition. You get healthy. You get playing. And the best man wins. And I'm not willing to give the job to anybody. I want to see these guys all compete. And I respect what Fitzpatrick brings to the table. I understand. Listen, I, I'm happy he's here. But I'm not saying, okay, he's my guy. Gino's going to be on the bench. And, you know, that's what's going to happen. You know, so that, that notion to me I think is crazy. And, you know, we'll see how it all plays out. But, Joe, my honest belief is I'm hoping, I'm truly hoping that Todd Bowles, when he preaches about competition, unlike Rex, it's actually a competition. Yes, absolutely. And like I said in the past before on the show, that this is going to be the first, hopefully the first, actual competition that Geno has ever been in. Um, and we'll see what he's made of. Or we'll see if this pastor comes out and wins the job as well. We'll see, we'll see what happens. But, you know, we just got to let the chips fall where they fall and let the guys compete. And whoever it is, whoever the best man is, he comes out the winner and he'll be our starter. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, right now we're waiting for a fiber Ed to join us. And, obviously, he's got, we got a lot of things to talk about with him as bringbacked.com is, is a huge story. Joe, the other, sto- the other thing I want to talk to you about is, you know, the Jets had a reported minor interest in Stevie Johnson. They had a reported minor, minor interest in Cecil Shorts. I understand the need to add another playmaker to the receiving group, but at the same time, not getting them didn't break my heart. I didn't walk away and be like, oh, my God, our receivers are a mess. They're not a mess. I think that Jeremy Curley remains a valuable asset. I'm hoping that he can flourish under Chan Gailey in space, especially now with Brandon Marshall on the outside, Eric Decker on the outside, Jason Morrow with another year with a year under his belt. He should be playing in space. So while I understand the need to add another wide receiver, however we add that, I think that Jeremy Curley, this could be the year where we say, hey, you know what, he's back, he's making plays, and he could have a very good season for us. Yes, absolutely. Um, my, my, it doesn't break my heart either that we didn't get Stevie or uh, Cecil Shorts at all because my guy, and he's an underdog, but my guy is still Andre Holmes. He's still out there. But even if we don't add him, which I, I've talked about on the show as well, that we don't necessarily need another receiver, this is a year, a breakout year, that I believe Jason Maru should have. Uh, he's another guy that I'm looking forward to kind of stepping in along with Curly um, and, and blowing out this year because we got Brandon Marshall, we got Eric Decker. You know, we're, we're our cup runneth over at wide receiver. We don't we don't have to, you know, go out and get any other receiving threat. So with the talent that we have here, I think we're doing just fine. We just got to go out there and execute the plays and get our offense, you know, in line. Uh, play calling is going to be solid as well, hopefully, and everything will fall into place. And the other thing, too, is, we, I mean, and not that I'm, I'm going to start pounding the table for these guys, we also still have young receivers here. We still have Shaq Evans, Wave Owasu, TJ Graham. There's young guys here, there's speedsters, plays. So, you know, it's about competition. While I understand that, you know, sometimes we get caught up in names. Cecil Shorts, I want him. You know, like, or where's Michael Crabtree? We've got to get him. And sometimes you guys say, okay, listen, we got three good receivers. We have some young talent that, you know, some of these guys can return to. It, it's not the end of the world. We, we have the ability to, you know, Try to, let's try to maximize some of our talent we have on the roster instead of keep trying to get everybody else's. So, you know, there, there's a lot of work in progress. Nothing's over yet, but, you know, it's, let's not always panic when the Jets don't get the guy they want. You know, like I said, you know, Cecil Schwartz is a nice name, but I'm not going to panic that he's gone. But, Joe, without further ado, we're going to introduce our next guest. And this guy, it's an honor to have on our show because he's, he's been a fan of – he's been the face of the fans for a very long time. And it's Fireman Ed. Fireman Ed, this is Joe and Tyson. Let's talk Jets. How you doing, man? Hey, Joe. Hey, Tyson. How are you? How are you guys doing? 
Ed, we're doing great, man. First of all, I want to thank you for your time tonight. We definitely appreciate it. I mean, obviously, as you know, bringbacked.com, which was started by Jason and Paul, has, has caught just you know headlines everywhere due to this petition. And it's basically about fans that are looking for you to return and just bring your passion and energy back to the stadium. So you know, we appreciate your time. And I guess, obviously, what are your thoughts on this petition? Did it catch you by surprise, or what are your thoughts about it? Well, um, Christian Dyer uh, got in touch with me and told me about it, and then um, uh, I wound up talking to Jason and Jared uh, about it. Um, you know, yeah, it's humbling, man. You know, the, that's the first thing. Um, but you know, I've never, I, I, I've never left the stadium. You know, I just stopped being fireman Ed. I think it's pretty well uh, chronicled at this point. Um, you know, I, I, I left that Thanksgiving night and, but I was at the next game, Arizona. And then I was at the, uh, San Diego game. And then I was there the last two years, you know, I moved my seats over to the other side and, uh, honestly never lost the passion. Just, you know, it was time to move on at that time. So, uh, you know, but still love them, bro. Love them like you guys never stop. No, I definitely appreciate that. I mean, I've, I've had the benefit of – I've met you a couple times over the years at Curtis Martin's Hall of Fame ceremony, all, this, all these different events. And you're, you're great with the fans. You interact with everybody. You take photos and sign autographs to little kids, which is awesome. The, the question I have is, what is your reaction to fans that say that you quit on a team? And, that, that's, and the reason why I ask you that is not to buy, insult you by any means. It's, that was one of the biggest reactions we got on our Twitter account was, you know, Fireman had quit on us, he left us, and we're like, no, we didn't. So what is your reaction to that? Well, you know, first off, quit is not in my vocabulary. <laughs> All right. You're smart, man. Um, I, never, I, never, I never quit anything in my life. So if you know me, you know that. Um, it was more about um, not getting arrested in, in the stadium and yet going out in handcuffs because you got a few select meatheads that decide they're going to, you know, get physical. And, you know, not that I can't protect myself, but I'm not there for that, you know. And when you start to get things like that happening to you, you know, you you got to think, hey, wait a minute, am I here for this? You know, and unfortunately, you know, it's not many, but there's guys out there. So... You know, um, that particular night, couldn't talk about it at the time, but um, had some incident happen in the bathroom and, you know, um, decided it was time to move on, you know. It's tough when you can't bring your kids to a game, you know. So. No, I, you know, actually, I was there as well. I actually sat in a section. I was in your section when it all went down, and it, it, it was crazy and it was sad. It was like, you know, it, the, here's Jet fans. We're all cheering for our team. We should be all, like, one big united front. And we started turning on each other, and it got ugly, and it was embarrassing. And I'm like, this, yeah. this isn't the field. It's not the feeling of this thing we had years ago where it was like it was a festive, happy experience, and it was like it got ugly, and it was – Well, you I, know I why? For- that, that, that all happened because the PSLs came in, you know, the stadium changed. The people felt like they were being basically ripped off, and they had a chip on their shoulder to begin with because not only were they paying for a season ticket, but now they're paying for their seat. You know, and the the vibe was in a different – it was just a different setup. You know, I think people went into that stadium and said, this is what we paid for because the stadium is not 
I mean, I wouldn't call it a state-of-the-art stadium. I mean, you go around this NFL and you see some of these venues, and you, and then you look at that stadium and you go, it's like a windmill. <laughs> I don't know what they were thinking about. You know, first off, they said, I remember when they first started, I remember Woody Johnson quoting saying he wanted to have it like Seattle and be so close and, you know, uh, close to the players and, you know, intimidating factor. Well, it was, it's, it's, it's nothing like that. It's, you're not up close. You're not, you're not on top of the players. I mean, that thing is spread out. You know, it's just anybody that's there, you, you can see us. You can see the difference in the stadium compared to the old stadium. I mean, I'm glad to be out of the old stadium because I don't like the name of it. But um, I would have thought they would have done a little more homework and made it a home field advantage, and I think they didn't. You know, I really believe that. So, no, I, I definitely agree with you. And you know, my season tickets, I was in the upper level, and when we went to the new stadium, I felt like I was on a different planet. I'm like, when the, when the chant was going on at a lower level, you felt like it was echoing to your level because you were so high up. Like, you were seeing the planes go by. It was it was a, a completely different environment, and, yeah, there's more concession stands, but I really didn't care about that. I wanted to be, like you said, close to the field. You want a loud, raucous crowd. Like, you want to feel the experience, and it, it didn't get like that at all. So I, I completely no, agree you know, 100% with a, that. There's a big difference. I mean, you go into Pittsburgh, you go into, uh, you know, you go into these cities, you go into Baltimore, um, there is absolutely a home field. You know, now that doesn't mean we can't have it. Now, don't get me wrong. We can have it. But there's a lot of work to be done to have it. You know, um, the chant is a big part of, you know, what, 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 what bothers me is when I watched, okay, then have that contest, okay, and that was fine. You know, I give them credit that they were at least trying to do something with the chant. But they never gave those guys a, 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 a excuse me a rat's ass chance. Okay, they never gave those guys a chance. They handcuffed them. They put them in a spot where they made them stay in one spot, and then they put the camera on them when they wanted to do it, and they never had a shot. You know, those eight guys, and I'm sure there's even more than that, but those eight guys were giving their best effort. You know, they were excited about it. I was pumped up for them. You know, I was glad for these guys. And what do they do? They handcuff these guys. That ain't right. That was wrong, you know? And it's just one of the reasons that makes me want to come back and want to be there is because the Jets need to keep this chant alive. And I, even if I came back, okay, even if I came back, I'm not there forever. I'm, uh, you know, I'm 55 years old. We need, we need a young guy, or maybe we need, maybe we need two, three, or four guys. All right. But the bottom line is, I don't want to see that chant die. That's the bottom line. I want to see that chant go on forever. When I seen that website and that petition, and I said, when I seen it in the in the in the home page, and it said restore the tradition, that's exactly it. It got to me because. We have two things as Jet fans, okay? We have the 69 World Championship with Joe Willie Namath, and we have the greatest chant in all of sports. And to watch it die and to watch the half-ass effort that the Jets, Jets have done to keep this thing going really bothers me, okay? So if you think I don't have the passion, you're sadly mistaken. Okay, sadly mistaken, because I still got some left. 
I got plenty left. Thing is, I want to see it continue. I and I know there's guys out there as passionate as I am. You guys, for one, uh, you, just having a radio program, uh, getting a message out there. I, I thank I thank you guys for that. I love I love your passion. I love when I see. I mean, I've met Tyson. In Canton, I remember you, Tyson. I remember how pumped up you were for Curtis, you know? And, you know, it fires me up. I mean, I, listen, you guys made me what I became. I never forget that. The haters that are out there, the only reason they're haters is they don't know me. They don't know me. If they really knew me and hung out with me, they wouldn't think that way. I, I believe that wholeheartedly. It's just other guys getting in their ears or all the nonsense. It's all nonsense. We're all Jeff fans. We're here for one reason. What are we hating on one another for? Hating on the other team. We're hating on one another? That's ridiculous. When I see that, I'm like, what What are they thinking? You know? And listen, I love the team. We all do. We should. We should band together. And and, and, and and make sure the Jets do not let this chant die. Do not let it die. It's a disgrace if it happens. And remember, with numbers, there's power. And the more people that speak out, the more they'll have to listen. So I'm telling you, fellas, that's, my, that's, that's where I, I love what I've seen with the petition. It's not about me, man. Not at all. Not at all. It's about restoring tradition. That's what it's about. And Jason and Paul and Jared Capel, those guys get it. They get it. And I love it. And anything that I can do to try to help out, I'm going to do everything I can. That's all I can tell you. I'm going to do what I can. Yes, Ed. My, this is Joe, and I, I'm, I want to thank you again for coming on the show. It's, it's great to get to talk to you. You're super passionate. You're the ultimate fan, um, and, and you're just you're just great. Um, just kind of wanted to get your take on how do you believe that the Jets organization can improve the stadium atmosphere? There's a, there's a first off, they need to let. The, the jet chant is a big part of it. It's not just that. It's a defensive chant. So, you know, you need to get the fans involved more, okay, and, and not, not hold them back, okay? That's, that, that, that's the, the biggest thing. But, you know, really, in reality, they, they, they should – the PSLs were a killer. The PSLs were a killer to these fans. People are selling their tickets to get their money back, Okay. And you're having half the you get you got sometimes you have forty percent of the stadium is another is another is the other fans. Yep. I mean, you know, but remember, winning will have less fans because more fans will show up. This that's just a fact. Winning people will show up more. You know, you, you, your own fans. But I mean, you got to do things, you know, to to make them show up. You know, and I think he is on board. I think he's finally got it. I, I, at least I hope. Let's knock on wood. I mean, he made the he made the right call with getting Charlie Cassidy and Ron Wolf in there. He's got some guys that know what they're doing, and he helped them out with the process. You got a guy like Mike McKegnan, and who who's come, you know, has served, paid his dues, come from the bottom, 
you know, he was an assistant GM. I mean, he went through the ladder and he came up. He's going to have his shot now. We don't know what he's going to do, but so far we like what he's done. Okay, and Todd Bowles, guy's a world champion with the, with the Washington Redskins. Okay, as his safety, and he was one of our coaches back in you know with Parcells. This guy's made his move. He's another guy that is on his first turn as a head coach. Let, maybe we hit gold, but at least Woody did the right thing by actually getting football people in these positions. And now we'll see. Uh, you know, let's knock on wood that uh, you got to like what you've seen so far. Oh, and, and first of all, you have me all fired up, man. I'm telling you right now, I'm ready. I'm ready to go tailgate right now. You have me so fired up. But the, the, the question <laughs> I have for too. you. Is, <laughs> I, it's it's great it's great hearing your passion because you know what it's positive energy about this team finally it's not fire this guy cut this guy now it's like we're we're on we're on the upswing it's exciting and with that being said my question for you is this what are your thoughts on the negative media spin the Jets seem to always get and I'll give you an example I mean they re-signed David Harris we're all happy and then Samini today is like up oh, they overpaid there's always a, a certain portion of the group that always finds a way to take a shot at the Jets even take a shot at you what is your take on all that doesn't, doesn't it get old and ugly at some point yeah well you know it winning solves it all right so what these guys are doing is they're jumping on board first off you don't have you got guys that are covering that team that aren't Jeff fans all right, and not not that you want a bunch of homers, but man, you want them to like the team. You want them to at least have a positive spin on it. And what you have is you have a bunch of beat writers, not all of them, but we know who they are, and they just put that spin on it. And then they have my this sauce, and that's a what sauce? What sauce? You have the sauce. Everybody has a sauce, okay? <laughs> and they have these imaginary sauces that told them, well, this was going to happen, all right? Now, if that doesn't piss you off as a fan, you know, when you hear, well, you know, put your name on it. If you got to show, put your name on it. You know, like Herman Edwards used to say, put your name on it. Yep. You want to say something? You know, have some balls and put your name on it, okay? But, you know, and this is what the problem is. These guys have been able to just get away with all of this and unfortunately for us, we're in a town where the Giants have won four Super Bowls, okay? So, and we're sharing a stadium with them. So let's, you know, let's be honest. They, you know, you got these guys that are comparing the Jets to that. You know, I don't really give a rat's ass what the Giants did. I care less. Don't bother me. I'm a Jet fan. Yep. Report. Report the stuff on a team and stop with the negative spin. I would love, for, you know, it, it's unbelievable. You, you, you're constantly getting it with these guys, but it's not all of them. It's not, you know, guys like Christian Dyer, solid reporter. Okay. I think Brian Costello is a pretty good reporter. Yeah, he's biased, Asian, but I think overall he's a pretty good reporter. You know, he, he, it's just, it's unbelievable. I don't know what happened to Rich. Rich at one time I thought was Samini was it, Rich has I don't know somebody took his lunch money I don't, I don't know what happened to him I really don't <laughs> I mean it's like the Jets did something to him I, I I don't get Rich I used to talk to Rich all the time I mean he he you know and Manesh Metter he's just in La La Land I don't know where he is I mean he's in La La Land this guy what what is he saying 
you, you know, the only thing is I, I'm glad Boomer and Carton at least take him to task and say, yeah. okay, we got an imaginary friend again. Here we go. Here we go. Somebody <laughs> else, another source, you know. I, I mean, come on, you know. It's, I don't know. It's, it's just crazy, you know. But we got it, you know, once again, it's another thing that you have to overcome. This is what makes, I believe, Jeff fans as great as they are because the negativity and the hurdles that we've been overcoming for all these years between stadiums and reporters and the Giants winning, and you know what? Hasn't deterred us, man. We're still here. You're still here. 46 years, still here. 47th year. How sweet it's going to be, fellas. How sweet it's going to be the day when we raise that Lombardi. And it's coming. It's coming. Because God is good. It's coming. And I know so sooner or later he's, he's going he's gonna to be a Jeff fan. <laughs> sooner or later he's going to be a Jeff fan. So, so wait, we'll so Eddie, see. You, so, so you, since you said all this and you have us all fired up, and, and right now all our listeners are going crazy, all you hear is they love your passion, they love your energy. So it sounds to me like if, if we can work something out, it sounds like you can maybe join us on opening day to do a Jets chant to welcome like Revis, Camardi, and the 2015 Jets. Well, I'll be at the game. There's no doubt about it. We'll see if we'll see about the rest of it. But we'll, uh, you know, like I told you, I'm gonna do, and I hope the fans will support that we get the tradition restored in that chant. Because what they're doing isn't right. And if it, what, whatever, all I can tell you, fellas, what I will do, whatever it takes to make sure that the greatest chant in all of sports is what it will stay at the tradition that it once was. And that, that that's all I'm going to say to you. I don't know if I'll be back, but I'm going to do everything I can to m- make sure that they put pressure on the Jets to restore this chant to the, to the way it should be and rock that house. Yes, Ed, you got me fired up, man. You definitely have me fired up right now, and I love your passion. I'm wondering how you feel about the return of Revis and Cromarty. Oh, you got to love it, man. <laughs> I love it. I mean, I was so pissed off at Revis uh, when he left. Um, you know, you know, Darrell has been about the money from day one, so it, it didn't change. But you know what? Uh I, I think you would have to say he's worth the money. <laughs> I mean, it, it, New England wouldn't have won that world championship if it wasn't. He was a big part of that. I mean, he he just he, he makes that defense so much better. He shuts it down. And Crow had a great year last year. You know, they were worried about his hip. That's why we didn't sign him. And uh, he proved everybody wrong with that hip. So um, I'm excited about the moves they've made. I mean, I love Brandon Marshall. Um, I really believe that it, they're not done. They're not done. You're gonna you're gonna see something with the quarterback position. I'm telling you. And I don't know if it's gonna be the, I don't know if it's gonna be drafting the kid from Oregon, but I just got something telling me that that sixth pick is gonna be there's something brewing with that sixth pick. I just I feel it. I feel like something's going on. I don't know if it's gonna be with Cleveland. I don't know if it's gonna be with Philly. And 
that maniac down in Philly, Chip Kelly, coming up <laughs> because I just I got a feeling that that Sam Bradford, I got a feeling he's going to be wearing green, but I don't think it's going to be that green. That's my opinion. I don't know. We'll see. We're going to find out. We're going to find out in about another month. So I just think the Jets aren't done at the quarterback position. I don't think you're going to see it going to be Geno and um, Fitz. I think you're going to see another guy in there, too, when it's all said and done. So we'll find out. You know, this guy is uh, this guy's sharp. He's, uh, we're going to find out what he's, what's happening. But, you know, uh, it should be, it's going to be exciting either way. Yes, Ed, what are your feelings like about Geno? How do you feel about him as a quarterback? Do you think that he could possibly come out of the competition with him and Fitz, or maybe if we draft a guy, if he beats him out, that he could be our franchise quarterback? Well, I'm going to tell you the truth. From, and I'm, I, this is how, you know, you know I'm into it, okay? Mm-hmm. Week four, let's go back. Week four, going into week four, where were we playing? We were going into San Diego, right? We were yeah. going into San... No, week five it was. It was week five. Right? I think it was week five. We were going into San Diego. No, we, what did we do? We opened up with... We opened up at home. Then we went to Green Bay. Then we played Chicago and Detroit. Yeah, we went to... It was week five. We went to San Diego. And this guy misses the meeting. Okay? How does... It, a quarterback in the NFL miss a meeting. How, not only that, does he start the game after missing the meeting? Right there, what do you think set the tone on that team when that happened? You think if you you, you play ball, you guys play ball, right? Yep. Your quarterback's your, lead, your, 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 your quarterback's your leader. He's got to be at the. He, well, he ain't never going to be late for the meeting. He should be an hour before the meeting. He's going to run the meeting. <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, do, what do I think of Gino? Uh, what do I think of Gino? I think when you miss the meeting, that's telling me you got no discipline. So how are you going to run my franchise? How are you running my franchise? I can't forget that. To me, now there's been whispers. There's been whispers. Okay? And I've, I've, Heard Boomer Boomer Esiason say it on the air that he questions his work ethic. Now, when you start questioning your quarterback's work ethic, that's a problem. That's a problem. So, am I sold on Gino? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. No, no way. Now, it, it had to rub off because think about it. How was Michael Vick when he came into the game? Was he prepared? Nope. No. Okay. No, so he wasn't. he wasn't. Now let, let, let's. We, we don't have to be brain surgeons here. I know I only spell four letters, but I think I'm a little <laughs> smarter than that. Now let's think about this. We have two quarterbacks. One decides he's not going. He he didn't show up for the meeting, and the other one, the same week, told you after the game that he wasn't prepared. So what's going on? You think Rex and maybe didn't have discipline. Yep. I mean, something, I mean, there was so much going on there, fellas. I just think, I, Gino is there. Do I think Gino's going to start the season? 
Absolutely not. You fought, we finally have after, and I did think Vic had something left, but think about it. The way he played, he, he looked shot. I mean, yeah, he, he did. Shot. And they were saying, and he, they were saying he was shot before this. There was guys reports saying, "I don't know how to jet size him. He's, he's done." Okay, and you don't see anybody biting right now, do you? No, I mean, he's, nope. not, he's not a household name right now, Mike. I mean, so <laughs> all I'm saying to you is this: in two years, right, since Sanchez and that whole debacle, okay, it's over. We haven't had a quarterback that has played that. We, we're going to finally Fitzpatrick at least can hold the fourth down until you figure out what you're doing here. At least he's played in the league, and you know he can compete. Yeah, he can make plays. Now, is he a turnover machine? He's limited his turnovers in in the later years. He's he's gotten less, but is he still turnable? Yes, he does. But he makes plays. At least you have somebody. We have a quarterback that can actually play in the NFL. At one point, we had Matt Sims and, and, and Geno Smith. That's what we had. That's what we had. I mean, think about it. And we're playing against Tom Brady. And Tom Brady's legitimately probably the greatest quarterback that ever played the game. You know, unfortunately for us. He, when I think about us not winning the world championship in these last 15 years, because we had so many, you know, we, we, we were knocking on the door, there's two words. There's two words to say why we didn't win a world championship. Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Probably didn't win. Because we didn't get home field because we can't win a division. These guys win 12 games every week, every year. 12 games every year. So, whatever. We're going to see. We're going to find out, fellas. Ed, I, I, I'm glad you talked about this, especially with the quarterback. And here's my question for you. You know, there's a lot of talk at number six that the Jets could take Mariota, which I understand that's a, it, it's a, a concept out there. But do you have concerns that Jet fans and the media have the ghost of Geno Smith, the ghost of Mark Sanchez in the back of their head, where there is absolutely no patience level or tolerance level for a rookie quarterback in this market with this fan base? Um, I think it's hard in this, with, with this in this city, not necessarily the fan base. It's the media is it is the media drives things. When they decide they want to do something, they just pound it. They pound it and they pound it and they pound it, and they make fans that are don't have a half a brain believe it, <laughs> rather than looking at who's writing it. And you see, you know what I always ask people like. You know, like I'll say to you guys, hey, Tyson, Joe, I'll say, see that, you know, somebody will say to me, see that article? You know, it's writing about, uh, you know, Marcus Mariota. Who wrote it? I said, who wrote it? And they look at you. What? I said, who wrote it? Who wrote the article? What are we, because it's in print, we believe that this guy that's writing this, he's kind of biased. What's his, what's his agenda? What is, he, what is he trying to get across? Is he a jet hater? You know, I like to know all the jet haters. I read everything. Just so the fans know. I mean, the forums and all that stuff, uh, I, read it, I read all of it. I read everything. There's nothing I don't read. I want to know who's with us and who's against us. That's what you do in life. 
you, 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 because you don't want to be blindsided. You don't want to all of a sudden somebody come up to you and say, hey, what do you think of the Jets? My first question when somebody asked me, yeah, what do you think of this move of the Jets? I says, what's in you? Because <laughs> that, that's going to determine how I'm talking to you. You know what I mean? If you're a Jeff fan, then I'm going to be very passionate. But if you're a Giant fan, I'm going to be limited to what I say. Miami, you know, any of the other teams, doesn't matter. Giants, Miami, whatever. You know, you're not going to talk the same way. And I'm sure as hell not going to knock the – I'm never going to knock the Jets to anybody other than the Jets fan. I'll never knock – you'll never hear me knock the Jets to any fan that's not a Jets fan. That ain't going to happen because we got enough haters. I don't need to – that ain't going to happen. I'll, I'll, I'll fight till the end for the Jets. This, this, that's, just, that's my love for them. I, uh, when I die, I'll come out green. It'll be – the autopsy is going to come out green. They're going to go, it's a, it, was a, it was a medical marvel. It came out green because I love them. I can't get enough of them. How about that? Just in case you were wondering if, I, if I'm if i still have the passion, uh, I guess you found that out, right? <laughs> exactly. I'm glad. I, <laughs> I got you guys pumped up. <laughs> love it. I know, love it. Yeah, I, I know, Ed, you'll follow the team around. I'm wondering, will you be going to the game in Wembley? In where? In Wembley, in London, uh, this year against uh, the Dolphins? I don't know. I don't know. I, I did just get a, a text from Julian, Julian from uh, uh, the Green Zone Radio. Uh, Green Zone Radio. I don't know if you know. He's got a site yep. over there. He's pretty good. He uh, He's a good dude. Um, he asked me, but I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure yet. I don't know if I can make it. Uh, I can tell you. I'd love Ed, to. I can tell you right now. I want to go to I Dallas. Can tell you right now, I know Ed. that. Ed, I can tell you right now, we have a, we have a very strong following in the UK and Ireland, and almost every one of our followers is like, please get Ed to Wembley. We want to see a lead a jet chant. So I can tell you right now, you're going to get an outpouring of people that want you to go to the UK because it's just they're dying to have you over there just to do a chant with them. I can tell you right now, that's that's what everybody wants. And uh, getting you know what? It's, emails fu- it's about funny it. you say it's funny you say that, Tyson, because through the years, you know, I was fortunate being fine and Ed, you know, you get to meet just thousands and thousands and thousands of Jeff fans, you know, there's just so many. And uh, there were so many through the years, you were saying that, there's so many from England. I was like, I couldn't believe it. There's yep. so many. You know, there's a lot from Japan and a lot from um, uh, Canada, a lot. You know, it's pretty wild. So well, we'll see. You know, it's it's a possibility. You know, we got to say, I got to say, it's a, it's a long way off, but uh, it should be it should be a good year. I mean, it's uh, I like what he's doing with the team. You know, and um, you know, to to me, like I said to you fellas, you know what? And and I'm talking to the fans here. You know, enough with the hate, man, of yep. one another with Jeff fans. You know, how about how about we all stay together? You know. It's about being together, you know, and 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 loving the team, you know. You want to yep. you want to squabble, squabble with squabble with the other teams. Don't be squabbling with us. We're all in, we're all in the same spot. I mean, don't be worrying about when guys have radio programs or who's doing this and oh they're gonna oh maybe somebody's making money. Relax, slow down. Nobody's making money. Nobody's going nuts. Nobody's enjoying their passion for the game. Think about it that way, you know. It's it's crazy. It's it's. It, I, I just think people need to take a step back and say, "Hey, this is a football game. Let's enjoy it. 
enjoy the Jets. And this way we could all celebrate. You know, it's been 47 goddamn years. Let's, you know, let's hope that sooner than later we can raise this Vince Lombardi trophy because you know what? When they said the Giant fans had 2 million down in the Canyon of Heroes, they had two. They estimated it was two million fans in the last, the last uh, parade they had in the World Championship. You know what I said? I said when the Jets win, they'll have five million. They'll be five million. They'll be coming out of the woodwork. I said people don't realize the amount of Jets fans there are out there and how they're hurting and how they're waiting. And they're, you know, and they, they don't all wear their shirts and they don't all have their caps on. And, you know, they're not like Yankee fans. Everybody's got a Yankee cap on, you know? <laughs> but let me tell you something. They're out there. They're out there. They're all over the place. They're even in the weeds. They're there. They're just waiting. They're waiting, waiting for the day when we can rise and be the champion of the NFL. And that day's coming. It's coming. Because I do believe, I do believe Woody wants to win. I've, I've, I've had my doubts. I've had my doubts. But I got to tell you, for him to bring Darrell the, the Revis back here, I believe he wants to win. And I don't think no, it's I, all about I, him I, selling. I, I don't think it's all about him selling tickets and all that bull. His stepman's got enough money. He don't need the money from the Jets. I can tell you that. Yeah, and that's and that's what we're hoping. I mean, I think we all agree that Woody wants to win. There's no better place to be, you know, in MetLife Stadium when that place is rocking. The Jets are winning, and I think he, bringing back Revis, bringing back Camardi, there's an upswing. And I think, to be honest, the final piece is you, man. The final piece is you kicking off that home opener with a Jets chant as Revis walks on the field as the last player introduced. There will be no better moment in MetLife Stadium. That place will be shaking hands down. <laughs> I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Appreciate the kind words, and uh, we'll see. You know you're time ready, man. You know you're ready. Time will tell. <laughs> I know I still got it in me. I can tell you that. Uh, I guess Ed, before we wrap up, the last question that a lot of uh, callers and listeners want to uh, know about is, you know, obviously we haven't won a Super Bowl in far too long. What are some of your favorite memories over the past years? Is it the the improbable like run to the to championship games? We beat the Patriots. Like, what are some of your favorite memories for this team? Well, my favorite memories would be the two home playoff games in 1998 and 2002. We haven't had a home playoff game, and it'll be almost 13 years. Think about that. Okay? Yep. The one thing I know, in 19, anytime we had a home playoff game from in 98 and 2002, I know one thing. There ain't nobody coming in our house and winning. It ain't happening. It's not going to happen. And we proved it in 98. And in 2002, it was even better. We had the almighty Peyton Manning coming in. And we crushed him. Beat him 41 to nothing. And those memories last a lifetime. I would like to see us raise the Lamar Hunt Trophy in our stadium. The Lamar Hunt Trophy, which means we're going to the Super Bowl. We're going to the Super Bowl. That's my dream. My dream is for for all the fans to raise the Lamar the Lamar Hunt Trophy and 
we get to the Super Bowl, we'll we'll win that Super Bowl because it'll be the first time in history that a fan base will take over a stadium and the greatest chant in all of sports will live and they will find out what it was really like when they heard this truly is the home of the Jets. Well, Ed, you just gave me goosebumps, man. So, I mean, geez, you have Jet Nation so fired up right now. All you see is Twitter's blowing up, Facebook's blowing up. You have Jets Nation completely in an uproar. So, on, well, on behalf of me and Joe... Thought, in, the, in case they thought my passion has died, uh, we put that baby to bed. <laughs> yeah, I think it's safe to bed. Now you're, you're going to have like a, a 10,000 signature petition now because now it's just... Your passion, I mean, you know, like I said, we've met you over the years, and it's just your your passion, your energy in the stadium. When that chant's roaring, there's no place I'd rather be or any Jet fan would rather be. And the players feel it. It's just it's an, an awesome atmosphere. And, you know, and, and you, like you said, we should be Jets fans united, end the nonsense, end the ridiculousness, and let's support this team and have some fun. That's it. Let's, my, my last thing to you fellas is let's stick together. And let's let's force the Jets to restore the tradition of the greatest chant in all of sports. There is no other. There are seconds, there are imposters, but there is only one J E T S Jets. Jets Jets. Be well, fellas. Thank you, Ed. Have a good night, man. Uh, how, how, Joe, all I could say is how fired up are you? I'm ready to go to MetLife right now and start tailgating. Dude, I am ready. I am waving. I got my jersey on. I'm ready to go, man. Yeah, I mean, and the thing is, it, it's he, Ed mentioned so many great things. It's just, and the one thing is, um, you know, the passion to be united. And if anybody doubts this guy's level of uh, allegiance to this team, his passion for this team, I mean, you know he wants to be a part of that stadium atmosphere. He wants it, but he wants it in a safe atmosphere. He doesn't want to deal with drunken idiots. He doesn't want to deal with fools. I mean, he wants to be a part of it, but he wants to be a part of the right way where fans are, are doing the right thing. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, dude, you could not ask for a better perspective from the man himself. I mean, we did this petition, and I'm going to bring on a guy right now. This is actually um, Jason from FireJohnIntic.com. And, you know, this, this petition wasn't about forcing Ed to come back. It wasn't about pressuring somebody. It's about restoring tradition. So, Jay, this is Joe and Tyson. Let's talk Jets. Uh, first of all, Jay, I want to thank you for getting Five Minute for us. I appreciate that because, obviously, he did a phenomenal job, and he has everybody fired up. And I want to congratulate you on having a petition to actually open the eyes to a lot of people. Hey, listen, man, do me a favor, Tyson, from after you listen to that interview, man, and, and, and going out to dinner with Ed last night, I don't ever want to be known as Jason from Fire.Edic.com anymore, man. Jason from BringBackEd.com would be a much better introduction. And, uh, <laughs> you know, look, man, I think I'm going to get thrown out of my apartment because I'm out of my balcony screaming J-E-P-S, Jets, Jets, Jets after that interview, man. Whoa, are you serious? <laughs> How anybody yeah. doesn't like that guy is just beyond me. And if he's a Dolphins fan... That man missed a career in acting, man, because I, 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 he, he'd be a freaking, you know, he'd be winning awards left and right, and that would be the best actor I've ever heard in my life. So yeah, I don't know what to is, say, man. 
Yeah, right. it was it's, it was a it was a phenomenal phenomenal um you know it was just a phenomenal take on him and the thing is you know we we've talked to him before in the past like I've seen him we've all seen him and he takes pictures but the guy loves this team and the fact that people were bothering him because wearing a Sanchez jersey is ridiculous the fact that people are worried about what he's doing in his free time who cares <clears throat> I mean it, it's who cares we're all fans he's cheering for our team support the guy you know it, it's honestly it's a time, it's a time, honestly it. it it's ridiculous. You know, I I I'm gonna tell you something, man. My passion for starting this this campaign, um, you know, as soon as Paul brought it up, and all credit to Paul. I mean, look, talk about fans uniting. I mean, me and Paul, you know, I mean, going back and forth with the uh, the sparring and everything during the Idza campaign. He was not a fan of me at all. I was not a fan of him, and and uh, you know, we 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 smooth things over at a Jets tailgate because at the end of the day, all we care about is watching the Jets and watching them win. And, uh, you know, I mean, look, <laughs> Fireman Ed, man, I mean, I, I I used to sit on my dad's shoulders when I was nine years old when, when he was on his brother's shoulders, and I was in the upper deck, and we were looking down at him, and that man was like a hero to me. And, you know, some of the best moments of my life were being with my dad doing that cheer that Fireman Ed started. So the, all the passion that I have for starting this whole thing, I mean, you know, I owe it to, to the to the kid in me and, and to my father who took me to those games and, and had me on his shoulders to, you know, uh, to, to try and restore this thing. The way that that man, out, that, that, that man went out in a bathroom, I mean, really? By Jet fans? Are you kidding me? So the people coming on my Facebook and the people coming on my Twitter, and I know you guys are getting it too, that are, are spewing, you know, uneducated hate about this man. He's a Jet fan. He, he's a Jets fan, a leader, you know, and, and there's been two years where anybody else who's had a problem with him could have stood up in their section and done exactly what he did. And did they do it? No. Nope. So where's the hate coming from? I, I just don't understand it. I really yeah, don't. I mean, the, 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 cool, the cool thing is, I mean, you know, the, the goal of this was not to, you know, like I said, put pressure on Ed. It, it's just the fact that it's to kind of dispel some myths. The fact of the matter was, he was a Dolphins fan when he was like 10 years old. Ever since then, he's been a Jets fan. Get that out of the thing. He didn't get paid. I mean, all these things. The guy bleeds green. He's passionate as they come. I and mean, if you listen to this interview, didn't get fired up. I mean, I'm ready to go do laps around the street at this point. I'm so fired up. The guy, <laughs> the guy bleeds green. And the thing is, is Jay, I'll keep saying it, there'll be nothing better than opening day, home opener, Darrell Revis walks out, and Fireman Ed is leading the chant to welcome this new era of Jets football the right way. Uh, you know what? If Darrell Revis runs out of that tunnel, and that crowd's rocking, and Fireman Ed comes out, and he gets this, and, and he gets the crowd up on their feet, and we're about to do a JETS, and anybody sitting in their seat and refuses to cheer because they think that he got paid or they think he's a Dolphins fan, give your ticket to somebody else who will enjoy themselves at the game. Or, you know... At very least, don't ruin it for the other people around you because that's going to be one of the greatest moments. In we don't have that many great moments, and it's sad to say that, but that would be one of the greatest moments in in quite a while. Uh, you know, the, the, the feeling in that crowd, and and you know, I look, man, it was six months away from opening day, man. Can it come already? Can we get rid of the summer? Can we just jump right to yeah, the football? You're not kidding. I'm ready for it, man. Yes, Jay, and I was wondering kind of what do you think are some of the things that we could do to improve the stadium atmosphere there as well? Or is there something that you think could be added? I know a few things that can be subtracted. <laughs> I mean, look, I'm, I, I'm not a fan of, of 
these uh, minor league style, bush league promotional stuff. You know, the the, mm-hmm. the throwing the footballs in the cans, the the drum mm-hmm. lines, the um, you know, the forced uh, video screen contests and loud. Look, you know, I go to games. I don't I don't care about concessions. I don't care about um, you know about any of that stuff. I don't care about games and bands and marching bands and any of that stuff. All I care about is going and and crowd noise and having a good time and a, and a quality product on the field. So, you know, when we came out with our penalty flags, we we put three names on there. We put Bradway on there because we weren't happy with the scouting, you know, and and we wanted mm-hmm. him gone because we wanted somebody else in here that with a better eye for talent, and he's gone. Mm-hmm. We had Idzik on there because we weren't happy with the talent that was on the field, with the way that he managed the the uh, you know the, the entire thing. Um, you know, the way he was with the media, the way he was with free agents, and any of it. We were not happy with any of it. We wanted him gone. The third name that was on there was Neil Glatt, and I'm not petitioning for Neil Glatt to go because he doesn't have any effect on the, on the, on the you know, if, if anyone had to survive that three-man purge, he would have been the one that I would have picked to survive it because, you know, the Jets can win with Neil Glatt there. But we, I just hope that, um, you know, I just feel like that they're a little bit tone deaf to what the fans actually want. And uh, I think that there is, you know, an education in all these petitions that we're doing, um, you know, especially with Fire and Ed, trying to show, we're trying to show them what we want. We're not trying to embarrass them. And I don't have petitioning anymore to get anybody fired. I just want them to listen to us and to hear us. And look, man, I mean, it's been a few days. The outpouring of support, I mean, look, the Daily News ran a, ran a completely uh, – you know, impartial vote, and 80% of the people who voted said they wanted back. So there's your proof right there. I mean, I, there's no more argument anymore. Right? I mean, am I right? So, you know, I think that we've yeah, got to get I mean, back. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I agree with you, and it's funny. It's like, you know, we're, you know, as we're going along, our Twitter account is on fire. And if you, if you don't know, we're at Talk Jets Radio on Twitter. And it, like, it, Brittany's even said it. Brittany's like two, two words, T-shirt cannons, get out. I mean, seriously, T-shirt cannons, the drum line, all these little gimmicks. All we want to do is restore our tradition, bring the chant back. It echoes, it fires up the team, it fires up the fans. It's a no-brainer. It's like Woody Johnson acknowledges mistakes with you know, the, the front office and whatever else, and now it's just time to – This is the, for me, it's the final step. And I'm not saying Fireman Ed is the cure-all, end-all, but let him go out the right way, and that's on his own terms with the chant. If he hands it off to somebody else, so be it. I mean, I'm fine with that. But let's just do it the right way. Jets fans united, and we all move on. I mean, it's so Jay. We got we got a bunch of we actually have more guests coming on. But Jay, first of all, I want to thank you personally for helping us out and getting us Ed um, for getting us involved in your petition. You you guys do a phenomenal job, man. You help us with you know some of our our artwork for our show, and you you've been a fun, phenomenal help to us, a big asset to us. So I appreciate just you helping us, and I also want to give you a lot of respect, man, because you take a lot of grief from a lot of fans from your, your Fire John Isaac thing to even this. I mean, the hate mail that I received and hate tweets we received from Fireman Ed to what I've seen you get on Facebook was amazing. And you persevere through it. You keep firing it out. And now most of the haters have gone away because now they all, they all came for the ride. So I want to say thank you, and I want to say congratulations, man, because I think this petition has been successful, and I think you opened a lot of eyes. And I honestly believe, come, come the home opener, Ed's going to be there, and he's going to be leading the chant. I don't have any doubt about that. I'm going to be honest. From having dinner with that man last night, and guys, I got to tell you just one last thing before I go. That was the single greatest dinner I think that I've ever had. I mean, I, to sit down with that man for two and a half hours, eating steaks and drinking beer, and and speaking of steaks and beer, man, 
the second best dinner I've ever had is the one that Joe pays for over there for a Percy Harvin day. But, um, but, but, you know, dude, Fireman Ed, man, the stories I heard last night, I could, you could have a two hour show. I could tell you some of the stories. I mean, God, I mean, just, it breaks my heart to see some Jets fans spewing what they're, what, you know, the, the, the nonsense they believe in the media about him being a Dolphins fan. If they could sit down with that man for two hours or for t- two minutes and, and understand his passion of, you know, for the Jets and, and where he's coming from, you know, there would be no doubt in their mind afterwards. And I hope that people, you know, listen to that interview and can really, you know, focus on, on, on the words that he said. Because, I mean, you thank me for all that stuff, you know, all the, the graphics and all that stuff. I mean, I can't come out and preach unity among Jet fans, you know, unless I show that, you know, I'm trying to do my part. And I'm happy to do it, man. You know, I, I'm, trying, I'm trying to make a difference. That's all I'm trying to do. I know a lot of people don't like when people stick their neck out. But... I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm never going to apologize for it. I'm going to continue to do what I do. Well, Jay, once again, bringbacked.com. If you haven't signed a petition, make sure you do it. Thanks again, man. We appreciate it. And uh, listen, man, we're, we're home opener's not too far away. Hopefully Ed's leading the way for us. <laughs> I don't have any doubt that he will be, man. <laughs> Take care, man. Thanks, guys. All right, we're going to keep going on. We actually have another guest on right now, and this is uh, – a surprise guest that I think our buddy Henry uh, set us up with. It's Connor Hughes, who we mentioned earlier. Connor, this is Joe and Tyson with Let's Talk Jets. How you doing, man? Hey, how you guys doing? We're doing great, man. We just we actually mentioned you earlier for all the phenomenal work you do, just breaking down film on, on Gilchrist and screen and everything else. And it's just you do phenomenal work, man. And you're definitely a must follow. And it's a tremendous amount of insight on the players. Yeah, thank you. I really, uh, I really appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you want, I mean, if if you want to go into that just a little bit, can you share some of your thoughts on on Gilchrist? Because you know, once the Jets signed him, it almost seemed like the Charger fans unleashed some of the Charger reporters unleashed, where they're saying, "Yes, he's versatile, but he can't tackle and he can't cover." Can you can you share some thoughts on that? Yeah, look, he's a he's a guy that if you put him in a position where he has to cover a smaller, shiftier receiver, he's he's a guy that's not. It's not Truthfully, from from what I've seen on film, a guy who's that great that you know he, he's he's not a guy that's going to go in there and, and you put a Percy Harvin on him, you put a uh, Randall Cobb on him, you put a Jeremy Macklin, you put one of those kind of wide receivers, Deshaun Jackson, uh, Victor Cruz, those kind of guys. He, he's just not going to be able to cover them. He doesn't have the speed elusiveness. They can usually lose him on that second break if they put you know he he's kind of got him off that first movement when they put that little shimmy in. He'll he'll lose him, but. From what I've seen, he's a guy that, that can cover bigger-bodied receivers pretty well. Say that, that as a tight end. Say that as a, as a bigger-bodied receiver. You know, I, I watched his tape against the Oakland Raiders, and he was able to handle James Jones, who's a pretty good receiver in this league. You know, He's not top ten, but he, he's a good wide out. Um, that's the kind of guy that he is. He, he's not a guy that's going to cover smaller, shiftier receivers. He's not a guy that's going to cover your fast. But he can match up against the big guys and, and I don't really expect the New York Jets to go out there and ask him to cover small, shifty guys. Expect him to be the guy that goes out there, covers the tight ends that are that are compiling now in the AFC East, and and that's what he's going to do. And, and from what I've seen on film, he's a guy that can do it pretty well. He, he's he's got some good movement in his hips. He's good man to man, and and despite his five ten size and, and particularly small frame, he doesn't get out muscled much. You know, I, I really didn't see that much on film at all, and I watched a pretty decent amount of it that. Even with the big body tight ends that would try to run at him and, and drive him off the drive him off some coverage and you know maybe get a little extra shove in there to free up some space, he's able to stick on him like Will. You know, he's, he's a guy that's able to do that. 
if, you, if you've ever watched any you know, Entro Roll or Tyron Matthew, he's kind of cut from that same mold. He's not as good as those two players, but he's certainly that type of a player with, with how he how he plays the game of football. Yes, Connor, and, and you are a guy that definitely does break down tape like crazy. You find out a lot of faults and, and, and positive about a lot of players. I was wondering about your take on Buster Scrine as well. I kind of saw you talking about him and breaking down tape on him. Can you tell me what you saw? Yeah, I, I saw I saw a guy that's uh, that's pretty good when it comes to to man to man coverage. I mean that is that is truly something that that jumped out on film more than anything else. And, and I mean this is a guy that shared the secondary with with Joe Hayden. I'll tell you the truth in the games that I watched, uh, he he was he was probably the best cover corner on the field for the four or five games that I watched this kid. He's got tremendous tremendous man to man coverage. He's very fluid in his hips with how he's able to move. He's, He's able to anticipate what a receiver is going to do before the receiver does that, and then he reacts on that anticipation to put himself into some pretty good positions to make plays on the ball. And 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 he's a guy that that is that really is that kind of a player when you're talking about reacting and anticipating and making a play on the ball. That's who he is. Now, now where he struggles in the game is that sometimes that that anticipation he or or reaction he guesses wrong. And when he guesses wrong, he can he can get himself into some issues where you know it's a, it's a double move and suddenly the receiver's open deep. Uh, the other issue is that he's a very physical cornerback. Again, despite his five nine size, he likes to bump with some of the uh, the receivers and throw some elbows in there. And sometimes his his physicality gets the best of him when it turns into penalties down the field, defensive pass interference, is holding or for a couple instances that I actually saw in film, he he got a little too physical. And when he got too physical, he actually lost his balance, and as a result, the receiver was able to get a step or two on him, but. Again, he's a guy that when he's on, he's on. He's a he's a he's a ball hawk. He's a he's a he's a man to man cover guy, and he's somebody that that should excel when when you're told go cover this guy and and shut him out in a man to man role. And when you look at the Jets' three cornerbacks now, and Antonio Camardi, Darrell Rivas, and now now Buster Screen, uh, these these are three guys that are going to cover man to man pretty pretty well. Yes, and that was some of the same things that I saw when I would watch Browns games. Uh, and he will be playing. Uh, kind of on the flip side, I want to ask you about our pickup of Carpenter and kind of what you saw from him on the O-line and what are his strengths and maybe some of his weaknesses as well. He's a guy that, that is a little similar, believe it or not, to Willie Colon from, from what I've seen of him. He's a guy that that does a lot of things fundamentally well. He, he can definitely improve. He hasn't really lived up to that first-round grade. Obviously, he didn't have his option picked up, so he didn't come back for that fifth year since being selected in the, uh, the first round there by the Seattle Seahawks. But He's a guy that, that really is fundamentally sound, and he's getting better with then taking those fundamentals and, apply, and, and, and applying them to actually going out there and doing it. He's a, he's a guy that's definitely an improvement on the offensive guard. He's a, he's a younger, better version of Willie Colon at this stage in his career. He's not really where Willie Colon was at the prime of his career, but again, the big thing that you don't want to underestimate is the fact that the Jets did bring back Willie Colon this year on that veteran minimum contract, and, and he's going to do absolutely – he, he's going to mean leaps and bounds for Carpenter's career when you talk about a guy that he can go and bounce ideas off of, a guy that he can go out there, ask questions to, a guy that's been in this league a decade and has seen just about everything you can see and experienced the best of the best playing in a very tough AFC North division. And and what Carpenter will be able to learn from a guy like Willie Colon will just do so much for his career and really don't underestimate that. We're talking with Connor Hughes, who's who's joining us and dropping some serious knowledge on the offensive line and screen and and Gilchrist. Connor, what's your take on the quarterback position? We had obviously we had Fireman Ed just on just now, and he kind of just wrote Gino off and 
kind of gave, kind of hand the ball off to Fitzpatrick. What's your take on Gino, and what's your take on Mariota? Um, I, I'll tell you what, uh, you know, Gino Smith. There, there is not a a, a personnel member. There is not a coach. There is not an executive. There is not a a janitor over there at One Jets Drive that does not want to see Geno Smith succeed. Because when you're talking about a quarterback that's still 25, 26 years old, a guy that, that is just entering into his third year, a guy that has all of the physical tools that, that Geno Smith has, you want to see him succeed. You, you you want him to be everything that the last regime hoped he would have been when they selected him in the second round. The issue is is that while Geno does have all of those physical tools, and, and he does, I mean, he's a guy that, that, can, that can truthfully – put the ball wherever he wants to put it when he wants to do that. He's shown that he has some accuracy. He's shown that he has the arm strength to succeed in the NFL. The issue with him, and, and I feel like I've said it a hundred times when I've talked to people and, and, and written it probably a thousand more, is that he just hasn't shown that he has the brain to do it yet. And, and what I mean by that is not that he can't, it's that he hasn't made the right read when he's had to make the right reads. He hasn't shown that he can go out there and make the plays when the plays have to be made, and he's not gone out there and shown that when he throws 30 times, there's no guarantee that two of those aren't going to be intercepted. And until he learns to do that, it doesn't matter what he's able to do physically with the ball. He's not going to be able to put it together, the mental aspect of the game. If that can come together and the mental aspect can even just meet the physical tools halfway, you've got a pretty good quarterback in the NFL. If the mental aspect can meet what he can do physically, you've got a quarterback that can be the you know, quote-unquote Pro Bowl flashes. That's what he can do. You know, you saw week 17 against the Dolphins last year is what Geno Smith is capable of doing when he is on his game. The issue is is that that mental aspect of the game keeps him out of there. Now, that, that Buffalo game where he threw three consecutive interceptions there in the first quarter or whatever the heck it was, I mean, you're, you're talking about, I mean, that, that's something that, that is impressive almost that he was able to do that for the bat. I mean, that, that, those are just bad throws in the coverage. He's not reading the play correctly. He's not seeing what he's supposed to see. And that's where he gets those mistakes. That's where he messes up. That's where he has those 34 interceptions in 30 games. Now, if he can cut that out of his game, he'll be able to make one heck of a quarterback in this NFL. It's just, you know, I don't, I don't believe to this point he's able to do it. Now, when you're talking about now, a guy, Mark. Well, actually, Florida, I mean, actually, I don't mean to cut you off, but when you mention all, like, the reads and things like that, how much of that goes into coaching and film study? It does. I mean, it, it, it definitely does. I mean, you, you're, you're talking to a guy that, that played linebacker and tight end, so I can't go too into uh, into into quarterback reads and all that. I know uh, I, I haven't I don't have that much experience when it comes to quarterback play, but but when you're talking about film study, when you're talking about coaching, it certainly goes and it certainly has to play has to go into a play. But at the same time, it's also an aspect of a game that you have to just naturally be able to do it. And and sometimes you start off where you're not able to do it and that light switches and you are. And then sometimes you're able to do it your entire career and sometimes you're just not able to do it. Look, I mean, you, you look at how much money quarterbacks make. If it was literally just coaching and, and, a, and, and, and learning and film study, there'd be a heck of a lot more better quarterbacks in the NFL than what there are right now. So coaching and film study definitely have to go into play. But it also has to do with some people are able to do it and some people aren't. Look, I mean, this is a league where you got 16, 17 teams that are still looking for a quarterback and maybe six or seven that actually have one and another handful that, that think they might. So it's, it's, it's easier said than done. Coaching and film study certainly has to play, but it's not, it's not all in there. Some quarterbacks can just do it and some quarterbacks can't. Yeah, and that's and that's that's a very fair point. I always you always wonder about that. Like we, you know, even like what Fireman Ed mentioned, you know, with the whole thing in San Diego with accountability and things like that. I, I, the question I have is, you know, with, with Mariota, it's kind of twofold. It's his ability, 
And it's also the patience level of this fan base where it's, like we said, we, we, you have the ghost of Sanchez, you have the ghost of Gino. This fan base, in terms of tolerance of patience, has none. And in March, we can all say, you know what, he can sit a year. That's going to last until Fitzpatrick throws four interceptions or Gino fumbles the ball twice. Or, you know what I mean? Like, do you think that plays a factor, just bringing a rookie quarterback to the Jets? It, it does, and, and the Jets are an interesting situation where with how bad things have gotten the last five, six years or so since those two AFC championship runs, there's always so much fans can take. And, you know, at the end of the day, they're the ones that are that are fueling the backstage headlines. They're the ones that are filling the seats at MetLife. They are the backbone of, of any NFL team, and you wonder how much more they can take. And it, it truthfully is from what I've seen on, on Marcus Mariota and what in the film that I've watched and, and what I've broken down, he's a quarterback that unless – Truthfully, unless he lands in, in Chip Kelly's offense, he's not a guy that's going to be able to play week one. I mean, he, you talk about where Geno is with his read option, and, and, and not read option, but, but reading a defense, Marcus Mariota is probably behind where Geno was when Geno was a rookie. And you talk about what Geno is able to do physically with, in terms of where he's able to throw the ball, his arm strength, his accuracy. He's a better quarterback in arm strength and accuracy than Marcus Mariota is right now. Mariota's a better runner. But Geno Smith is better in those regards. Now, look, Mariota's work ethic is second to none, but you also said that about Tim Tebow. So that only goes so far. And for for a franchise and, and a team like the Jets are right now, with, with how much they, they are so craving for success and, and how much this team truly deserves to see some success that the last four or five years they've been through, I just don't see how you can pull the trigger with Marcus Mariota because the risk of drafting him – truly outweighs the reward because even if Mariota pans out to be as much as I think he can be, it's still an average quarterback in the NFL to average to good quarterback in the NFL. I just don't I don't see him as an elite passer in the NFL. I, I just don't. You think about a guy like maybe Russell Wilson with what Russell Wilson's able to do physically, that's probably where you're talking about a guy like Marcus Mariota where he doesn't have the elite arm strength, he doesn't have the elite accuracy, but you know he's a heck of a leader and and he and he's able to extend some plays with his life. For the Jets at number six I see a lot of other spots that they can go in that draft that, that doesn't involve Marcus Mariota because, look, at the end of the day, you're you're right. It's going to create a circus as soon as he's in there because when Fitzpatrick throws three or four interceptions or, or, or just simply doesn't lead the Jets to a win or Geno Smith does, but Geno Smith has done the, the first 30-so games of his career, you're talking about a, a volatile situation where everybody's going to be clamoring for the rookie even if he's not ready and there's a chance that you can ruin him for, for his career with the Jets. He goes out there and he struggles and he doesn't make it doesn't make it happen because this is the type of quarterback, Marcus Mariota, where if he goes out there, you're probably going to have a limited playbook what you can call with him. Yes, Connor, and I absolutely agree with you. That was a great take on, uh, you know, possibly just passing up on Mariota. And I'm wondering, going to other spots to help the quarterbacks that we have here now, definitely going O-line would definitely uh, get, get a great service for us. I'm wondering who's your top offensive lineman coming out and why? The top offensive lineman? It's interesting because when I look at these offensive linemen, I don't see an offensive lineman that I would pull there in, in, in the first round. I really don't. I, mean, you're, I haven't even dove too much into it because I've been kind of focusing on that top end of the draft when you talk about where the Jets are at and who they could grab. And, and I've looked at some of these names when it comes to offensive linemen, and I just, I just don't see it. I mean, I don't I don't see an offensive lineman there that's worth number six because when you look at the Jets' situation, you talk about, all right, where where are you at in the offensive line? I'm I'm a big fan of Ode Bougie. I mean, I, I really like what he was able to do last year. I really like how he materialized. I think he's all but a lock 
on that other side of the offensive line. Now, you talked about the other guard position. You got a guy in Carpenter. Your offensive tackle, you got Breno Giacomini, you got Brickshaw Ferguson, and you got Nick Mangold, too. So you're in a position where your offensive line is all but set. Now, now look, you can you can have improvements. You can get a better Carpenter. You can get a better Luigi. But, but your offensive line is, is good enough where, where they're going to be pretty decent. They're not going to be the best line in the league. They're not on a Dallas Cowboys level. But they're also not the worst offensive line in the league. You're, you're at that happy medium of above average to good with that group that you've got up there. And when you talk about the veteran leadership of Nick Mangold and, and Willie Colon and Bergshaw Ferguson, that's going to bring along the young guys that are already on this roster. I, I just don't see an offensive lineman going here before the second or third round for the Jets. And even then, I'd probably take one in the third because I really like the idea of going with a pass rusher up there on the top of the draft. Really like going with maybe a running back in the second round or, or even a speedy receiver there in the second round or or, or any, any other kind of position you want to go there. Maybe a guard in the second round. So I just don't see the Jets going with an offensive lineman that high because you're going to – with a sixth pick, in my personal opinion, you want that sixth pick to play. You want that sixth pick to go out there and play right now. And and if you draft an offensive lineman, first of all, you're not going to draft an offensive guard sixth overall. So you're talking about offensive tackle. You draft an offensive tackle sixth overall. He's probably still going to sit between Breno and or or DeBrickershaw. So I don't, I just don't see them going offensive line that early. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you, Connor. I think my preference now at this point is I'm looking to, I'm hoping to get a pass rusher at six. Um, before we let you go, what, what is your take on, on pass rusher? I mean, if there, if there was one guy that you're going to take at six, who would it be? Yeah, it's, it's all about who's there. That's, that's kind of the thing and the, and the most interesting aspect of looking at this draft because you don't really know exactly who's going to be there. You know, that, that, that's the crazy aspect of this because there are, there are situations that I can see where Fowler Jr. drops, and if Fowler Jr. is there, I jump on him. There, there's opportunities where Shane Ray drops where if Shane Ray's there, and I know some fans are up and arms over him, but I could see him being a good fit with the Jets because he, he, he's a guy that's going to line up either next to Sheldon Richardson or Muhammad Wilkerson. And, and I'll tell you what, those two players, you're going to have – you're going to you can line you or I over there, and we'll, we'll probably come down with a half a sack or so lining up next to those guys because they're going to eat up so many blocks. So when you talk about it, it's more about who's going to be there for who you're going to take for me. If Fowler's there or if Ray's there, I, I jump the gun to take either of those guys because – the one aspect of this Jets defense that, that somebody is truly missing right now and, and the aspect of the Jets defense where you can say, if anything, there's a lack or a we don't have this yet, it's just a pass rusher. I mean, you have an elite-level secondary with probably the best quarterbacking unit in the NFL. You've got two safeties that if they make it to where you hope they're going to make it, you've got probably a top-five safety unit in the NFL. You have arguably the best 3-4 defensive line in the league when you're talking about Damon Harrison, who was one of the best run stuffers, and Muhammad Wilkerson and Sheldon Richardson, we know what to do. you got Quentin Copeland, who's a pretty good 34 outside linebacker. Not elite, but he's pretty good. If you can add a pass rusher into that mix, you're talking about a defense that that, that forget being one of the best in the division. That's, that's probably the best defense in the NFL. I mean, that, that's better than Seattle. That's better than New England. That, that's better than just about any other defense in this NFL. And if you can go out there and grab the pass rusher at six, that again, as I said, with the sixth pick, you're hoping you can get a guy that, that goes out there and plays right away. You're talking about a pass rusher that you plug into that lineup and next to Richardson and next to Wilkerson, he could pull down ten sacks ten sacks a game this or ten, ten sacks a game. Ten sacks a game this season, you know, in, in, in his rookie year. That that's really where you're at. So if Fowler's there, I jump at Fowler. If Ray's there, I jump at Ray. 
Connor, I, I want to thank you for this impromptu interview. We, we definitely appreciate it. You're, you're a must-follow on Twitter. You, you share a tremendous amount of knowledge. Please let all our listeners know how they can follow you on Twitter. Yeah, you can, uh, you can give me a follow on Twitter at Connor underscore J underscore Hughes. Uh, that's C-O-N-N-O-R, and then Hughes is H-U-G-H-E-S. So uh, that, that's kind of where you can keep up with that. Awesome, man. Thank you very much for your info. If you ever want to come back on and talk players with us, man, we'd love to have you back on. Yeah, absolutely. Just let me know. Shoot me a uh, shoot me a message, and I'd love to uh, love to hop on again. Awesome. Have a good night, man. Thank you. All right, Joe. We, we're going to keep going to the calls, man. This has been a phenomenal show, and we appreciate everybody interacting with us on Twitter. We'll get back to you as soon as we can. But we're going to bring on now is a very good friend of mine, a longtime diehard fan. Um, it's our good friend Randy. Uh, Randy, it's Joe and Tyson. Let's talk Jets. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm pumped. I'm pumped, man. It's uh, it's been like Christmas the last couple couple weeks, and uh, I hope it continues. How did you like that Fireman Ed interview, man? I mean, I, he gave me goosebumps. I was ready to start punching holes in walls. I'm right behind you. I mean, I God knows I've listened to him a lot over the years, and um, you know, I I thought it was unfair the way obviously some of the fan base went after him. Uh, one or two of the games, he actually sat incognito back in my section um but obviously didn't do anything i've i've had the opportunity to talk to him a few times you know he wouldn't know me if he saw me but uh he was always great to talk to um he's done something that nobody's been able to do in that stadium is is to get the band base pumped up to the point that teams like the dolphins and what have you hated coming in there because they didn't they didn't like the chance yep if you if you remember jason taylor even said at one point that he couldn't stand that chant. And, you know, it got everybody up. You know, parents were pointing their kids to to let them see who he was, and it was a great, great situation. The piping in of of music at certain points, the BS video stuff that they do, to me it's all juvenile. Take that crap out of there. Yep. The real fans don't want to see that. I'm not even going to say what I'm going to say, but... You know, the people, the casual fans that go there might get off on that stuff, but the the true fans like you guys, myself, you know, the people that we go with, they don't want to hear that. You want to get caught up in the energy of the crowd, and it's been missing. You look what Seattle has to offer. How many teams can give that 12th man effect like they can or wish they could? One of the no, loudest games, one of the lo- excuse me, one of the loudest games I ever went to was when we played New England after Rex took over at the old stadium. I couldn't talk for days. The the Raptors were bouncing. You couldn't talk to anybody. You had to scream. What what an event with that all the time. So, Randy, my question for you is this. I mean, you have season tickets. You're a PSO holder, things like that. You've heard – I mean, pretty much I think Ed wants to come back. Now it's a matter of the Jets – making some kind of concession to him, saying, listen, we'll come back. He's not looking for free tickets. He's not looking for handouts. Maybe it's some kind of level of assurance. Like, listen, we'll put a security guard in your section in case somebody does act like a drunken fool or something like that. Would you be opposed to that? I mean, do you think at this point the New York Jets as an organization should embrace the tradition, restore the tradition, and reach out to Fireman Ed and say, listen, how can we make this work out, get him back in there, and then forge a plan to keep the tradition going going forward? Um. I, 100% I want him back. I always did. I said it last year and a couple of people 
kind of poo-pooed me on Twitter when I when I brought it up. But uh, I think losing him was a big loss to the fan base. Yeah, you could see the energy level change. Um, you know, bringing random fans and nothing against them was never the same as having you know the real deal there. Um, in terms of security. I'm wondering if some of the people got on this case would now back off because they realized how stupid they were. Yep. No offense to anybody, but, I mean, that's the reality. Um, the guy wasn't a shill for the organization. I know a lot of people thought he was. Uh, a lot of people didn't like him because he wore the Sanchez jersey because, you know, they mm-hmm. felt the Jets were telling him to do it. How did they know? Did they talk to the guy? No. They assumed it. And we all know what assume means. So, um you know, if there's any way to get him back, I I think all attempts, you know, obviously need to be taken to try to get him back on the field where he belongs and get the crowd going like it used to be. Because you could see the change from the time he left. It went down. You know, certain points in certain games, yeah, we'd get up. But how many times can you see a player wagging his finger and you're going to get jacked up? He <laughs> would do it. I mean, you know, you've been in the game. so Especially, uh, especially now that Kyle Wilson's gone. <laughs> I wanted to drive that bus. They would. <laughs> you know, I'm glad got cut from Burger King. So I mean, you know, life is tough. But, uh, <laughs> dropped too many burgers, so they let them go. But um, you know, God knows, organizationally, there's been a lot of mistakes. And you know, not to usurp the time here, but I think, and I'm prejudiced, bringing two Jersey guys in, one from Elizabeth, the other one down by uh, Rutgers area. They know how Jersey people are. They know how New York people are. Everything I've heard, everything I've read about them all told me that before they started making these moves. And, you know, I couldn't be happier than what they've done up until this point. Um, they've, they've used the money wisely. Um, I did kill Isaac as well as, every, Isaac as well as everybody else. But the one thing is that extra money that he had saved over from last year sure helped this year. So, um, you know, I think the sky's the limit. We've hit bottom. Now it's time to work our way, you know, or work our way back up the food chain. It's not going to happen overnight. But, you know, on the sixth pick, real quick, I I would trade him to Philly. If we can draft him, trade him to Philly and get whatever you can out of Philadelphia or trade, maybe trade up and get picks. But I think, as Connor said, there's too many holes that still need to be filled on this team. We need depth. We need skilled players. The biggest issue we had under Rex is that we weren't drafting enough players that could actually go out and play. You know, compared to no. how many were cut, it was pathetic. And we never had competition <laughs> quarterback-wise. When Sanchez was handed the job the minute he walked in, he never had to fight for it. Never had any backups to go against. Brunel was, was one foot in the grave. What was he going to do? You know, and on and on and on. Vic was a joke. I would have fired him after that game last year when he said he wasn't ready to play. You know, but that's history. But now I think with these guys, they demand accountability, and that's what it's all about. And once they do that, the players will respect it and respond to it, and I think the fans will see it on the field this year. Like I said, I'm pumped. Yes, Randy, and it's great to have you call in. I wonder how you feel about the – the re-signing of, of Revis and Cromartie and bringing them back. What do you feel like that does for the organization? Well, I'll start with Crow. I, th- I thought he got screwed. Um, you know, a lot of people killed him that last season here. He played hurt from training camp through the entire season. He took a bullet for the team. He took a bullet for Rex. And he got, and he got fired for it. 
which I thought was very unfair. I would never have let him go. Um, I'm not going to lie. I was upset with Rebus. When I watched, and if anybody goes back to watch the footage from Hard Knocks, I knew the minute that deal was going down that they, the Jets were going to unload him at some point in time because he signed his death notice when he did that. You know, And, and his uncle, Sean Gilbert, ex-football player, doesn't play. Um, I think they had no choice when they let him go, but to our advantage, we got Shelton out of the deal. So that, that's a plus. Um, we're paying him a ton of money. I think deep down inside, he wanted to come back here. Obviously, the money is the motive, and there's no dancing around that. But I think at the end of the day, he loves New York. We have a unique, crazy, I could go on type of fan base. I think players that become part of our, our team, our concept, all thrive on that, and you can see it. Crow never wanted to leave, you know, going back to him. So I think the acquisition did two things with Rebus. It depleted New England, and some New England fan was breaking chops the other night. I said, the best part about getting Rebus, you've got to pay $5 million this year for the dude. So shut up. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we weakened them, not counting the other guys they lost, because they were trying to make room for Rebus. And I think the, the the spread of money was seven to eight million. I think between what we were willing to give to what they were willing to spend or what they could spend. So, as you know, as stated earlier, we probably have one of the best groups now in the backfield that we've had in years. We got a great front line. I would hope Mo gets taken care of quickly in terms of what we what we need to do with him. And we need a we need a, a John Abraham replacement, which we haven't had since the guy left. If we can get somebody of that caliber that can go after quarterback, we're deadly, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I, Randy, I agree with you. And that seems something Connor said. I mean, it seems like it seems the consensus that if you add a dynamic pass rusher to this group, I mean, it, it, the sky's the limit for the defense. So it, it's exciting, and you know, I want to thank you for calling in, man. It's it's been a, a wild night. I mean, I think Fireman Ed finally got his message through about his passion, his remaining passion for the team, his desire to improve the stadium experience, and I see that you're on board, which is great, and it's a, it's a new era of Jets football, man, and it's exciting, and we should all embrace it, and enough with the nonsense of fans fighting fans, and who's a bigger fan, who cares? We're all fans cheering for the same exactly. team. Let's unite, and let's, let's make the stadium a home advantage, and let's, let's make it fun. It's a game. It's, it's a hobby for us all. It's a game. We should be enjoying ourselves, and, and that's it. You know what I mean? I'm ready to head to L7 this week. <laughs> yeah. Fire, Fireman Ed has, has everybody fired up right now. It's pretty awesome. Randy, thank you for right, calling, man. We definitely appreciate it. You got it, man. It's good talking to you guys. Take care. You too. All right, Joe. I don't even know where to begin with all this. Um, we gotta, first of all, we got we to gotta thank Calvin Pryor, who joined us, which seems like almost three hours ago. Um, for, definitely thank <laughs> Calvin Pryor for joining us in. Um, thank you very much to Fireman Ed. Uh, for coming on and sharing his passion, sharing his time. I mean, it was. I definitely appreciate that. He's he's a good guy, and like he said, I think if the people that hate him so much actually met him and talked to him, they probably changed their view on him. Uh, I want to thank Jason as well for organizing all this and starting a petition, and uh, thanking Connor Hughes as well, who kind of came on impromptu. Joe, I mean, this was was one big show of knowledge here. Yeah, absolutely. It was it was great, and I want to thank all those people as well. Crazy show. We covered a lot. Yeah, we did it. It's like, you know, for everybody, we want to welcome all our new followers. We'll do our best to get back to everybody on Twitter. I mean, that's just out of control at this point. But our show's on iTunes, 
Um, Joe, just share our Facebook information and everything else so we can let everybody follow us. Absolutely. It's Let's Talk Jets on Facebook.com. We'll be tweeting out that link as well. Please like the page. Uh, you know, follow it. We, we start conversations over there as well. Uh, watch our content there. My Twitter is YoungJ00. Um, tweet me, comment, follow, follow. I follow back. Troll me if you want to troll me. I'll troll you too. I also do videos on YouTube. It's YoungJ000. That's three zeros on YouTube, two on Twitter. Uh, you know, just thank all the listeners and everybody that, that comments. You guys are awesome. Yeah, I mean, and we want to thank Kevin too for you know helping us out with you know producing the show and organizing our. We're on Instagram as well, so you look us up there, and we'll, we'll tweet everything out. It's just you know again, thank you to everybody listening. Thank you for the support and all like the feedback and everything, and uh, we'll see you guys again next Tuesday. This can be a tough show to love to. This was this was pretty amazing, man. Yeah, absolutely. This is this was nuts. It was just so much information, <laughs> so much passion. Just oh man, I'm just I'm fired up. We'll talk to everybody again next week. You're listening to Let's Talk Jets Radio. Listen.